And thank you very much for listening in to another episode of Code with Kingy, where for this show we are reviewing the fourth round of Super Rugby Aotearoa, and helping me do all of it is the same guest I had on for the preview and my friend Nick Hegarty. So both Saturday's and Sunday's games were pretty good spectacles, in my opinion they were the best two games of the competition so far, and that was thanks in large part to Forsyth obviously having a roof, but then Sunday game between the Chiefs and Hurricanes, Hamilton turned it on and allowed for both teams to play with a bit more width. On top of all that though, there were a fair few talking points that came away from both fixtures, which we will get to now, because I don't want to muck around. Enjoy. Alright Bo, but um, yeah. why don't we jump into this so we, we don't muck around and yeah, go man. for an hour and a half like last time, but <laughs> yeah my man, appreciate you taking some time out uh, to... To recap, what was the fourth round of Super Rugby Aotearoa? Two pretty cracking games, especially with having like a dry surface. I felt like that made a bit of a difference with the spectacle and uh, not as much whistle. So I think, obviously, off the back of last week, they sort of found maybe a happy medium. And even this week, I thought the referees did an even better job of letting the game flow, but still sort of pinging guys when I guess the penalties were right there or when you know guys failed to roll away or come through the gate. But um, first game was on Saturday where the Crusaders beat the Highlanders 40 points to 20. Uh, that end scoreline wasn't really a, a true reflection of the game by just some late tries from the Crusaders, uh, one from Will Jordan and Tom Christie. So, yeah, man, why don't we... I thought, well, I'll throw the mic straight over to you, bro. What did you think of Saturday night's game? Yeah, man, it was um, it was a good battle, away. Eh? Like, uh, Highlanders really brought it to them, I thought, and um, especially it was... Well, they were up at half-time, weren't they? I think. Were they? Highlanders? Uh, I think it might have been a draw, bro. Oh, no, maybe it was. I think it might have been 17-14 or 14 all. Because yeah, the, the Highlanders yeah. got a penalty right on half-time and Mitch Hunt kicked it, but I can't remember if that was to tie the game or put them ahead. But, yeah, yeah. it was it was even Stevens, so. Yeah. Well, they did, like, because Crusaders scored first. Obviously, they got three points. And then uh, was it Will Jordan in the corner? And he's pretty class, man. He, I, You can't fault his... Yeah, he's putting his hand up for the All Blacks at the moment, I'd say. But anyway, yeah, they went up, I think it was 8-0, and then um, Highlanders did well. I thought, oh, shit, here we go again, and the Crusaders going to be, you know, just kick on, and it'll be a, a blowout. But um, Frizzell scored that good try, I think, through the middle, was mm-hmm. it? Yeah, uh, yep, yep. And, uh, yeah, really brought them back into the game, and, and at halftime they're already in it, but I think... I think what I said on the podcast last time, and Crusaders are always, you know, you've got to be really on your top of the game, best of your game to to beat them. And um, the Highlanders were good, but you know, I think there was stages there, especially scrum time. They just got demolished, and you know, that's probably the winning and the losing of the game. A couple of lineouts didn't go their way, and yeah, yeah, no, no, you, you hit the nail on the head. There's obviously that was a really decisive moment where. John and Ariki sort of failed to just do the draw and pass and the Highlanders ended up kicking the three because they had the penalty advantage but I think if they had scored that try because he did have two guys outside him so even if he didn't draw and pass the last guy he'd at least shift it and then you know make the defence work but uh, yeah, yeah like you said on the podcast Brian, I think we both touched on I think the game was sort of going to be one in the forwards although the Crusaders did do 
a bit of kicking towards the wings, like you'd sort of suggested as well, trying to target the the young guys out on the flanks. Mm. And I thought that Fanganuku and Jordan did give both wingers, both Nadeki, Punivai, and then when Kurui came on, a bit of a tough night and probably outplayed mm. their opposites. So, yeah, but uh, mm. you, you mentioned set piece. I thought the, the Crusaders were pretty rock solid at line-out time. And then at scrum time, I know that there were a couple of scrums early on in the piece, and then I think it might have been like the fourth or fifth one, and they just rolled them. And I think yeah, man, Jeff, Jeff uh, Thwaites, I think it is, he had a big task on his hand, obviously scrumming up against Moody, and Moody absolutely crushed him, I think, three or four times. And I think that was Thwaites' uh, first starting game. And, yeah, I'm not sure if they'll re-go with him again this week. But, yeah, Moody's... They've got a class that he's... Uh, what's his name, uh, the scrum coach for the Crusaders? The little... little um, his name. Oh, I'm not sure what his name is, but yeah, I, I can. I know it, the face, bro. I've got the face in my head, but I can't. He always does the halftime interviews. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, Jason something. Um, but anyway, he is class, man. He any cruiser, any player that goes up there who's a prop, they just get the best. I don't know what he does. He's got like I've seen on Instagram. He's got his own like a scrum. Oh, he might have his own company, which is like they go around schools and that and. They teach people how to scrum properly in that, which is something that I don't know a lot of other people around in other uh, you know regions are doing either. So yeah, they they definitely got the the best scrum coaching and best scrum in the in the competition. I think it's probably something that goes underappreciated because you just you look at a scrum for what it is. It's just sort of eight guys sort of shoving into each other, but there's obviously a lot of technique that goes into it, and like we saw on Saturday night, that can sort of be the difference in the end. Uh, I know that, you know, the scrum's only one one part of set piece, but just the platform that they set their backs up with. And yeah. I think when you're, you're sort of dominating a team up front like that, even it gives you a bit of a psychological edge. And it just seems like the Crusaders forwards were always sort of one step ahead of the Highlanders forward pack, even though at stages like yeah. we saw, and I guess from my point of view, that's more so an Aaron Smith thing because of just how, like we'll, we'll get to him like later on, but just the tempo which he plays at, and he sort of gives the, he sort of gives his four pack sort of a roll on, but for the most part, like mm-hmm. we saw, especially in that second half, like when sort of push came to shove with the Crusaders forwards, they were just more of the aggressor, and all of those tries. So you had Severus's try, and then the two Tom Christie tries. Yeah, the Blacks played, or the Blacks, the backs played a bit of a role in like getting front football, but for the most part, it was just the the forwards just sort of getting up and just winning the game line and yeah and yeah, man. yeah I, I, I thought Cody Taylor played really well Tom Christie played really well even Sam Whitelock and like you mentioned Joe Moody and Michael Ala Alatoa they, they did a number especially on that type five but I think one of the the big takeaways for me from I guess from a Highlanders perspective you know to sort of take some positives out of that loss uh, was of course obviously Aaron Smith I thought he was the standout performer from across the whole weekend I mean, everyone knows how good of a pass he has, but I think that or sort of one of my takeaways from him, having watched him over the period in which he sort of started off in the All Blacks um, after the 2011 World Cup, is that, you know, he was one of those guys who was had the, I guess, the tendency to sort of play at a million miles an hour. And that sort of comes yeah. with his game, right, because he likes to play up tempo, he likes to play at speed, and that's probably what someone like Steve Hansen was sort of directing him to do. But I think what we're seeing now, just through... I guess the maturity and experience that he has, he just has this ability to sort of dictate tempo and he's much more of a tactician yeah. now and, and a leader uh, and I guess like a game driver for that team 
and hopefully that carries over to the All Blacks, although I know that a lot of their players sort of centred around Bowden Barrett or that first receiver, but I just think that if you take Aaron Smith out of that Highlanders team, I think that they are average, probably at best, mm. and, and that, that, that's just a, that's just my personal opinion. I just think like he is he is the key to that Highlanders engine, but some of the other standouts for them was Shannon Frizzell. I thought he played really well. I think he's sticking his hand up for that blindside role for the All Blacks. And same with uh, Marina Makali Tu'u. Probably not as prominent with ball in hand this week as he has been in other weeks. But again, like he was sort of in and around the fringes. And I thought he was unlucky at times to get pinged at the breakdown. Because the referees were sort of... Well, he went over the ball right. So he went in for the jackal. And sort of like as he was sort of like being, um, I guess, rolled off his feet when guys were clearing him out. He was sort of winning the pill at the same time. So, yeah. But I think the, the Hollanders have had have found a really nice sort of combination with their loose forward trio with having Frizzell and Makali Tu'u who are quite sort of physical players and I guess they that's the way they sort of inject themselves into the game. And then I think Dylan Hunt has probably mm. taken a lot of confidence over the last few weeks. He's more of a, a poacher, sort of that, I guess, old school sort of Richie McCall role and he just gets around the park and covers and makes a lot of tackles. So Yeah. yeah. I think they really, they shot themselves in the foot with Dylan Hunt really because they dropped him and obviously had Lynchies there and then you know going from making the All Blacks to not even being selected in the 22 for the Hollanders like I really uh, I think it hit his confidence quite hard and it's good to see that he's he's come back into the mix and, and he's actually you know he's one of those players that just needs game time and, and he'll go hard for you for the 80 minutes mm -hmm. yeah. yeah but on the Crusaders I think um, yeah I said it on your podcast here um on uh, Wednesday was it and um, type 5 is where you, where you win it and I think that's where it came down to when those crucial scrums and just your, your one percenters that the Crusaders nailed it as usual Yeah, I think the the problem with the Highlanders at the moment is that yep you've got a you've got a world class 9 in Aaron Smith who can direct play and he pretty much has it all I mean like he kicked really well and that was probably one of the other the poor takeaways for the Highlanders is was just that their tactical kicking wasn't all that great. I don't think Mitch Hunt cleared the ball that well, or even when he was putting up contestable kicks, he was sort of probably giving away field position, or when he even kicked long, he almost gave that, that dangerous back three a little bit too much time to sort of weigh up their options and sort of pick the, um, not a poor kick chase, but you know, like when you're giving someone like David Havili, Will Jordan, and uh, even as we saw with the list of Whanganuku, uh, that extra second of time to, to make a decision and choose whether to take the line on or, or find grass, you know, they, they made the Highlanders pay for that or made Mitch Hunt and whoever else was kicking pay for it. So, yeah, but yeah, that the tight five, and I think even a little bit in the midfield, they just don't, they haven't quite got the X factor maybe that they have of old. You know, they had a Waisaki Naholo and sort of those Patrick Osborne and Ben Smith type of guys who could sort of make something out of nothing like in their back line. And I think, the like we mentioned, they've got quite a dynamic loose forward trio. And I think the locks, obviously they lost Josh Dixon in the first half, and hopefully he's not out for too long, but he didn't look like he was all that comfortable when he went off in the first half. And we've mentioned Putty Putty mm -hmm. Parkinson, so I think there's sort of the, the building blocks there. But, yeah, that type five had a number done on them, and the, the backs outside of... Aaron Smith, they just don't have that sort of get up and go in them or that, that ability to break a game open or they haven't maybe shown the ability to do that just yet. It's yeah, a tough one. I think they're they, going to... They in the back line, they've got 
Like Rob Thompson, he's kind of just there, like he does the job. And same with Michael Collins, he's kind of just there and does the job. But uh, you know, losing Waisaki and uh, and Ben Smith is always going to be a hard shoes to fill. But um, you know, uh, I, I've heard that Rob Thompson signed over with Japan next year, and Tay Walden apparently is following him. So maybe they'll look for a CEO and uh, Umanga Jensen combo there in the midfield. I'm not sure. Maybe Punavai's more of a centre or whether he stays on the wing, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. It's a There's tough a lot, one though because of, you're yeah. measuring these guys, well, I'm, I'm measuring these guys in terms of like the ability to winning a championship and so I think when you look mm. at the Crusaders and the Blues and the guys that they have in their outsides, they just have this ability to make something out of nothing and, and that's the point of difference because we've seen that the Hollanders are in these contests. They just don't have the ability to sort of strike that killer blow. Or, you know, when they get half a chance, they take it and they turn it into seven points rather than just making a half break and then maybe losing the ball over the next couple of phases. Mm. And yeah. that, that, that is the difference with the Crusaders. It's like, yep, they, they are very structured and they're very disciplined. But I think that um, we have to remember that when you look at guys like Severis, Whanganuku, Raiden Enel, Jack Goodhue, even Richie Mwanga because he's a running first five, there's just this constant threat to when they make a breach that they have the, the skill set to then convert that into seven points. And that, mm. that's sort of the difference between, I guess, the, the Blues and the Crusaders at the moment and, and the rest of the pack. So, yeah. yeah, but it's a tough one. And you, you mentioned Will Jordan as well, man. Like, I don't know what you do with that guy now. David Havili went off, and I haven't chased up that to see the extent to which he may or may not be out for, but the guy is surreal. Like Any time he touched the ball, it was almost as if he was beating the first defender or he was able to get an arm free or you know he was he was winning the contact. And he's not even a big dude, bro, but he obviously just knows how to sort of catch guys off balance and um, fall He's forward. freakish, bro. I reckon he reminds me of a bit of Caelan Ponga, bro. He'd be like, you know... Imagine them two lining up at full back against each other. I don't know. Um, yeah, he's he's one to go. He's going far, bro. But even Harvey, Harvey played mean when he came on. Oh, you know, so he started the match, but he made some really good breaks here and there. And you know, he's got that leadership role. He's been there for quite a few years now. So I don't know, man. Whether you put, yeah, they just got so many options. They're just stacked as usual. Did you notice though in in that last try? Like, did you did you go to the stadium to watch the game? No, nah, I didn't. I watched it from home. No, nah, but you know when so Nariki throws the offload, and I think it's Michael Collins. Like he's the one getting tackled out, and he throws the ball back in field. And I'm pretty sure like Will Jordan stuck his hand out and it deflected off off him into Goodhue, and I thought it was a knock on or like you know or an offside, but the referee didn't blow it oh. up. Like um, for anyone who's listening, if you go back and watch the replay, I'm I'm pretty sure Will Jordan gets a hand to it, but. Obviously, again, bro, you play to the whistle when he gets the ball back and he does that audacious chip and chase and shows enough gas to finish the try. And again, that's just the the player he is and I guess the confidence that he's playing with at the moment. But yeah, I like he's he's an All Blacks bolter. Well, he's thrown himself into All Black contention now, and I think that Scott Robinson has no other choice but to pick him. But you know, if David Havili's fit for next week when they play the Blues it's like who do you feel like is he going to go back to the tried and true and have Havili at the back and touch George Bridge and Severis on the wings I don't think you can do that because you know why try and fix something that's not broken but 
Yeah, but even going forward, bro, like even next year, like how do they fit those four guys into three positions? And, you know, who gets dropped? Well, Jordan, if you're listening, please sign this behind us. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like who, like who do you get rid of? Because it's not like one of them's old. Or, because oh, I'm pretty sure David Havili might be only like 26, 27, if that. 25, I think, maybe. Yeah. 26, yeah. And then the rest of them are around that ballpark and younger. And Jordan, I think, is the youngest of the lot. So he's got the most time to, to grow or become an even better player. And you, you don't let talent like that just slip by, especially if you're in the Crusaders setup and, you know, they already have the. I guess the trump card of being that successful a franchise and he's got that familiarity with that playing group so yeah I don't know maybe they whatever the Blues did to Lua Bowden Barrett I don't know maybe the Hurricanes can do that to Jordan or the Highlanders can do it just to begin even the playing field because it's not like the Crusaders need any more good players bro um, if anything yeah. they need to oh, they don't need to give out their talent but it'd be nice if some of the guys that came out of their academy looked elsewhere for game time but again, yeah. it is what it is, and like you said, they they've got a scrum coach who's going out and doing all these work and in different schools, and it's obviously reaping benefits because we saw the work that the front row did, and we've seen how many class players come out of the Canterbury region. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer for you, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, um, another sort of head scratcher for me, bro. Considering how tight the game was, was why Aaron Major and Tony Brown took Aaron Smith off with just under ten to go, because it was only a four-point game. Yeah. And if he's yeah. the best player on the field, like I don't understand the the reasoning behind. So I reckon they almost just felt sorry for um, old mate. What's his name? Kane Hamilton. Uh, Kane Hamilton, because he's probably. I don't know if he got on the week before, and you know. Whether he got on the week before that, so yeah. But you almost prepare sure. yourself for that as a player when the guy that you're reserving for is the captain. So, and mm. it's again like he was the best player on the park, and like in my opinion, the best player that performed all weekend. So again, yep. another head scratch because yep. they were down by four, bro. And I know that the I'm not saying that Aaron Smith would have changed things or would have would have won them the game, but they ended up losing by 20 points within the space of eight minutes. They went from four to 20 in terms of a deficit. So, mm. um, yeah, maybe that was, yeah. was karma for, for taking some of the better players off. But, yeah, yeah. overall, bro, um, the game, like you said, was won in the forwards. The Highlanders kicking wasn't all that great. And, again, if John Oroki pushes that pass and they get five points, potentially seven instead of kicking that three, who knows what would have happened, but like we said, man, rugby is a game of moments, and against a classy team like the Crusaders, you just have to take your opportunities, because otherwise mm. they they turn a four-point lead with eight minutes to go into a 20-point lead, like we saw. So, mm. yeah. Who do they play next? Who's the Highlanders got next? The Highlanders have the Hurricanes next Sunday. The Hurricanes play at home next Sunday, Ooh. so... That'll be, yeah, that'll, be that'll, be, yeah, that'll be a good game, yeah. But on the point of the Hurricanes, they bank their first win... On Sunday afternoon, away from home at Waikato Stadium against the Chiefs, 25 points to 18. I guess the the thing from the get-go was just the, the Hurricanes' intent on defence. They just looked far more up for it. And again, the Chiefs just had this lethargic start and dug themselves a 20-point hole before going into half-time. But again, bro, what were your first initial thoughts having watched Sunday's game? Yeah, man, the, uh, 
the Canes were paying seven dollars to win thirteen plus, so uh, it didn't end up thirteen plus. It might have ended up at twelve and then because they got the red card. Was that right? Or the, no, they only won by seven. But... Was it, oh, they won by seven. Yeah. But they uh, they were up by uh, a significant margin. So yeah, unlu- unlucky with that red card, but we'll get to that. Geordie Barrett, obviously you picked it, and he made a big difference through the big pass over to the South African guy. I can't. What's his name? Van Dijk. Um, yep. Yep, Van Dijk, and he scored in the corner, which was good. But the the Hurricanes forwards actually stepped up and dominated, really. I thought Dupasti had the game of his life and outplayed Sam Kane, just just smashing people all over the park, getting turnovers here and there. Um, there was one penalty that was he got penalised for that. Yeah, I think he got it on Brad Weber, which was so harsh. And Brad Weber actually flipped over. He hit his hands straight on the ball. It was actually too fast for Brad Weber. He was that that quick on getting over the ball. But yeah, he was my man of the match. Dane Coles had a goodie, and uh, yeah, just it was one by their forwards. I think just dominated. Mm. It was funny because we we mentioned guys like Duplessis and and James Blackwell, or I did, <laughs> not you. Sorry, just being a, probably a tad undersized, but they played ten times bigger than what they actually are on Sunday afternoon. And you know, I I have to tip my hat off to them, like you said, Duplessis. Made a shitload of tackles. All that whole loose forward trio made a made a shitload of tackles, and then outside of them, I thought that James Blackwell was probably the pick of the type five. Um, but yeah, Jordy Barrett. I mean, like he had he had some really nice touches across different facets of that game. Obviously, he had the the big loopy pass to set up the first try, and then he actually had the tap on or the or the, the flick pass to set up the, the the second or the third try. Sorry, off that well worked scrum move, where it was like the eight nine, and Jamie Booth sort of got on the outside of Quincy Pryor. Then like TJ tapped it on and then flicked it out and yeah hit the big South African in the corner. And then he had that ridiculous penalty, bro. Like, but it was funny. Like I always sort of thought that the kick was going to go over after obviously what we'd seen in Argentina. But at the same time, like it wasn't like that ball crept over as well. That I reckon he could have gone at least another five meters back, and he was on the angle. So yeah, he's, he has a massive boot. Hey? I think he's he's just big. Full stop, man. Like you saw the intense. Like we talked about the defence. Like even off that first carry, off that first kick return, he just pinned his ears back and just tried to, you know, just run all over Aaron Cruden. And to be fair, the, the little first five, he, he he made the tackle. But I think that's maybe the the point of difference that Geordie Barrett has in his game. And you, you mentioned that he's got a big boot. And I take nothing away from guys like Chase Tiertier or anyone else that's played in the 15 jersey for the Hurricanes. But I think when you're going up against a guy with the range of skills that Geordie Barrett has and uh, I guess the the power that he possesses both with ball in hand and the boot, that you almost have to sort of pick mm. your poison when you're playing against him because you can't really play uh, force back against him because he's probably got the biggest boot in New Zealand at the moment. And he, you know, if, if you kick it to him, and give him a little bit of time or too much space, we know that he can sort of find holes and, and feed his outside. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I always knew that he was going to make a difference, but I didn't think it, it, it was going to be as big as what we saw on Sunday afternoon. Mm. Um, yeah, I, th- I think as well, like, there's still, like, fair play to him. Like, he hasn't played any rugby in three weeks, but there's still, like, you notice the big moments, obviously, you're making the kicks and that, but... Looking at it more, I think if you had the Geordie Barrett player cam, he did make a few mistakes as well that he'll want to work on as well. But yeah. obviously influential in, in some of the lead up to the tries and, and his 
and his goal kicking was yeah that really stood out. Yeah, yeah, he had a couple of knock-ons, and I think he gave away a penalty quite early mm. on. Eh? Yeah, but again, like you said, he obviously showed the ability to flush it and yeah. finish the game or ice the game was part of the reason as to why the the Hurricanes ended up walking away with the winner's grin. So. I'm not quite sure why they pulled Duke to see off at 55 minutes either. But he was having an outstanding game and then they subbed him off for Vice to see it. Yeah. Again, but, who knows? I, I don't know what goes through these coaches' heads and um, the, the tactics that maybe they're looking to deploy mid-game to throw the opposition coach off. But no, nah, he was, yeah, he got through um, a pretty hefty workload in, in just under an hour's play. And thankfully, the, the Hurricanes got home because uh, there was a stage uh, towards that last 20 minutes when Scott Scrafton got a second yellow card, the first one being uh, just for four repeated infringements, and he was just the unfortunate one uh, where his penalty sort of was the straw that broke the camel's back. And then just a heads-up play from Damian McKenzie with the quick tap, and Scrafton pretty much just reacted and didn't probably want to give away a cheap five points or it would have been seven, given how close it was to the sticks. And, yeah, he ended up going to the bin, and then the they ended up working their way back down into, into Hurricanes territory, and it looked like they were going to score. Uh, and I've made a note here that the, the Hurricanes had quite a few big defensive plays. So after, I think, no, actually before Scrafton was red-carded, I think, when he was yellow-carded. Peter Umunga Jensen sort of, like, knocked a ball back while the Chiefs were hard on the Hurricanes line, and the Hurricanes were able to sort of relieve pressure and clear that, so that sort of um, halted the momentum for that stage. And then when Scrafton went to the bin, Piranara held up Quintapai when he went over the line, and then following on from that scrum, Adi Sevilla won a turnover with about 10 to go off a Lachlan Boucher pick-and-go, and I think had they had a score there, it would have been a pretty tense last 10 minutes for the Hurricanes but I, th- I think the Hurricanes deserved the win considering how well they played on defence and we saw what they did with their set piece, their, their scrum looked pretty solid and their line out but I think the, the big takeaway for me was just the, the platform that the, the scrums laid and they resulted in two tries both to Van Veik but yeah the, the resilience that the Hurricanes showed in that last 15 minutes when playing a man down was was just nice to see off the back of some pretty rough results over the... What do you think's happened to the Chiefs, bro? Because they were, they were dominating that first, like, you know, three months ago. They were beating everyone, weren't they? Um, like, what, what, what do you reckon's changed? I, I honestly don't know. Like, they... Well, I made a mention to the fact that they, for whatever reason, always seem to start games slow. And within that yeah. first five minutes, I think the Hurricanes scored their try in the fourth minute, so... Yep, you already put yourself in a seven-point hole, and then just even their just their real discipline at times, and yeah. again, like they were just a, a little bit too predictable in attack. There was no sort of creativity shown, and I'd sort of thrown that shade towards the Hurricanes, but like the the way in which I'd sort of seen the Hurricanes play against the Blues and the Crusaders in the first two weeks was sort of what I was seeing from the Chiefs on Sunday afternoon. There was just no penetration, and I think Anton Leonard-Brown was a big loss for them because he was out with concussion, and yep, Quinter Pye mm. did his thing, and although I do think that second fives maybe can be different to centre, although you know people make the argument that if you're playing at that level, you should be able to play both positions, but yeah, just probably a little bit too 
predictable and they just there was just no space and yep you got to give credit to the hurricanes but at the same time like we've banged on about it Brad Weber, Aaron Cruden, Damian McKenzie, Sean Wainu, Solomon Alaimalo when he came on, you know, these are all rep players and they're guys who've had experience and have shown like you said before uh, Super Rugby the international competition went into lockdown, you know, they were they were all guns blazing but for whatever reason, I don't know if teams have figured them out defensively and mm. that's part of the reason but there just isn't yeah. any chemistry at the moment or there's just no there's no penetration. Um, yeah, I think is the word that sums it up. Yeah, yeah, I think they've like so cooler. He played. He was probably the Chiefs' best player. I think just go for a ball, ran hard every time he got the ball. They probably are missing like a Brody Retallick in the middle. Yeah, the young fella there, Akoi. He's. I hope he's all good, but um, yeah, he's he's obviously still is he nineteen or twenty? Yeah, he's young. Twenty one, maybe. I think he might. I think I remember playing him at school, but he was. He was only like year ten when I was there, but he's still pretty young. But I reckon um, they are probably missing a, a Brody Italic in that in that middle, uh, or someone uh, who's got a bit more experience. I think his blocking partner Brown is it. Yep. Yeah, man, he looks like the flanker. Um, oh shit! Oh shit! They yeah, look the yeah, same. Yeah, don't they? yeah, right. I have the exact same train of thought. Yeah, are they? I don't even know if he's taller than them. They look like the same person. Yeah, it's uh, like the same so. facial hair, and they like wrap their heads with the with the bandage, like the exact same. Uh, yeah. But anyway, go on. Yeah. But anyway, they they are. I, I don't know. He does the job, but he's probably more of a like a six type player. Brown. He doesn't. He's not that kind of Paddy Tuipulotu kind of uh, James Blackwell workhorse down the middle mm. that I could see, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think they might have just lost a bit of confidence. Maybe the Chiefs losing the Highlanders first up, and yeah, so uh, probably looking someone through someone through the middle there, just for a bit of leadership. And Sam Kane, obviously, still, still coming back from injury, and he got outplayed, I reckon, by Dupes. And Brad Weber was okay, but not really up to his best. Or he, probably TJ might have outplayed him there as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you what do you thoughts there? Yeah, I think like we. We made the point last week in terms of like from a first five perspective that you're only going as well as your four packs going, really. And I think for, for Brad Weber, because of how, I guess, up for it the Hurricanes were on defence and the fact that his team wasn't getting go forward, you could, there were a couple of times where he sort of looked to snipe where maybe it was on, maybe to just to, to distribute. And, you know, obviously, like, he sort of got away with one when, when Dupes got penalised. Where I think because Duke sort of like went past the ball, and then as he was scooping back, that's when he got the ball, and, and the ref said that he wasn't supporting his body weight. And again, that's one of the new interpretations with the the referees at the moment. And I thought Duplessy was unlucky in that regard, but yeah, maybe there was one or two moments where he was maybe looking to maybe try and overdo things or spark something because he wasn't getting what he wanted out of his forward pack. But yeah, TJ TJ played pretty well. He's very good defensively. We I mean he's a big body, and we know that he loves the physical stuff and. Especially with him being one of the, I guess, the, the older statesmen in that Hurricanes team. You know, when any time him or Artie or, you know, someone like Geordie who have played at the All Black level and when they come back down here, they're part of that leadership group. Whenever they, they get up and do something that sort of lifts the team, I think that carried over to, to all 15 players and even, even the bench guys when they came on, guys like Jamie Booth and 
Alex Fido and stuff like that, you know, when they carried, they carried well. And when they were having to get up, you know, they got up off their line and they got a good shoulder on. So, mm. yeah. But then, yeah, Bruce's a good player, man. Yeah, he's um, he's uh, he's, he's quite unorthodox, eh? Like, you sort of look at him and he's sort of quite a weird body shape, but he's just got a lot of go on him, a lot of spark. He's almost like the perfect bench halfback. And <laughs> no, but, no, but he is, man. Like, every time he's come on for the Hurricanes this year, he's done something well. <laughs> Like they, they may not have yeah, won man. the game when he came on, but he did. He scored the winning try in Argentina when they got out of jail against the Hagawadis. But yeah, I, I I can see why he's probably taken up that reserve role over who's the other reserve Hurricanes halfback? Is it Tomatini? Probably played on the weekend. Didn't yeah, it? yeah. I think yeah him. I think there might be somebody else, and even him sort of giving Finley Christie the boot, and maybe someone like Richard Judd. You know, like he sort of just worked his way into being second on the pedestal. So, no, nah, yeah, yeah. I, I really like him. I, I like I like the way he goes about his business. So, Yeah, but yeah. one of the other things I, I wanted to mention quickly before we wrap it up was, uh, you know, I mentioned the fact that the, the Chiefs looked predictable and tact and everything was quite stale and quite staticky. And then there were even moments when they were sort of kicking the ball away when they were sort of near the Hurricanes 22. And... Yeah. I know that can sort of be a sign of frustration at times because you may be looking to find a little space in behind or trying to pin the Hurricanes into a defensive line-out. But I think what we saw before half-time with the Hurricanes when Duplessis scored his try, I think there might have been about at least a dozen phases that the Hurricanes had gone through. And not all of them were, was front football. There was actually one scrappy pass that Piranara threw and Lamapi sort of picked it up off his boot laces and... He did really well. He beat two guys and sort of got the Hurricanes back on the front foot. But just the patience that the Hurricanes showed, you know, not maybe sort of trying to play to an edge and work something out wide. They sort of just held on, held on, held on. And then when the opportunity arose, you know, Duplessis was right there and he hit the hole off a, a nice arced run from, from TJ. So, yeah, I'm not sure if yeah. the, 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 not the Crusaders, sorry, if the Chiefs aren't, just aren't back in their processes and holding out and... Again, it's tough because like when you, when you dig yourself a twenty point hole, you can't really sort of just plug away and hope for penalty and kick threes. You know, I know that they were looking for sevens, and sometimes you do have to chance your arm. And you know, when you pull off something sort of razzly, it can it can boost the team and give you a bit of a high. And I think that's what we saw when McKenzie scored his try. You know, they had their tails up. You know, yep, they had the red card, but there just seemed to be a bit more energy. And I mean, we we mentioned the fact um, that to Toiro to Huiorangi or you did last week didn't get any game time but when he came on he, he was actually really good bro after I bagged him on um on Wednesday night hey so yeah it's yeah right he, he must have been listening <laughs> yeah but you know there's, there's just moments in the game where oh I think for this Chiefs side at the moment that you know they just yeah they're, they're, I just feel like they're not backing themselves or you know even when things aren't going their way they just don't have that sort of resilience to just, just keep hammering away keep hammering away keep hammering away and yeah, who's the prop bro, for the for the for the Chris, uh, for the Chiefs number one? Aiden Ross, Aiden Ross, or Nico Lalala? Where's he coming from? Because I don't know. Yeah, I feel like he he's a bit lost out there. Like I didn't. I'm just been looking back on the on the highlights and that, but yeah. I don't know know where he's come from. Like, is it what province is he with? You know? He's he's with the Bay, so he's had a couple of nasty leg injuries. Yeah, I think he had the really bad right. break uh, in the capital a couple of years ago, and that sidelined him for a while. But funnily enough, like he was one of my 
maybe All Black Bolters. Oh, really? Lockdown? No, yeah, he was playing really, really well because Nepo Lalala was out and Angus Tuttavell was out as well. And he sort of cemented himself as maybe the, the first name on the team sheet, I guess, from, from a type five perspective. But again, mm. when you're losing, bro, you know, everything is just compounded and everything's amplified. And the the chief set piece hasn't been great as of late. And especially when you're not winning that contact area, which is what you sort of expect out of your big boys up front. And, you know, that's sort of their bread and butter. It can be, yeah, it can be quite mm. difficult to then, you know, roll over into the Monday with a smile on your face or, you know, be able to flush three consecutive losses. So... Yeah, I mean, what happened to the Chiefs hooker, Nathan? Um, I think he's injured as well. He, he, he's injured. He's, in, he's injured as well. And because they started Slater this week, because I think they wanted to have a tidier line out, but I think he just doesn't offer the same uh, maybe abrasiveness or um, dynamism that Takiaho offers when he's got the pill in his hand. Yeah. So. Yeah I, yeah, I think yeah, I think above all else again, bro. Like we touched on it on the Wednesday in the preview, the game was going to be one in the Fords, and yep, Jordy Barrett might get his name in the headline, and Van Vake finished off the two tries. But I think, like we saw, it was thanks to the work of Reed Princep, Adi Sevilla, James Blackwell, Duplessis Karifi, You know, in terms of their work off the ball and their work around the park, that really got the Hurricanes home, especially in that last twenty minutes. So. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of confidence I think the, the Hurricanes would have taken out of that game and I think if they can back that up with a good performance at home against the Highlanders next week, I'm not saying that they'll win it, but maybe they can maybe disrupt the, the Crusaders campaign or the Blues campaign when they play them next. So, yeah, yeah. yeah let's hope that uh, the Canes can take a lot from us and hopefully give some of those, we'll see a few more upsets. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, that's the thing, man. Like, like we saw, like, yep, the the Highlanders' scoreline blew out towards the back end of the game, but the Highlanders were right in it. I think, or well, I picked the the Chiefs to win at home because I thought they'd be a little bit more desperate and maybe be a little bit more up for it at home. And having you know playing maybe against a, a Hurricanes team that was down on confidence, they had the opportunity to sort of pounce on them, but they didn't. But the the Chiefs go into the bye this weekend, and. Maybe they that's what they needed. They maybe need a little bit of time away from the game just to reflect and get the bodies fresh and all that. And who knows, coming out of that break, that we see a, a similar performance from them as as the Hurricanes exemplified off the back of their bye. So, yeah, I don't I don't mm. think that their season's a write-off. Um, obviously, they're not going to win it, but I think that the Chiefs had the ability and the, the playing group to knock over a team like the blues and crusaders when you know when they're hitting on all cylinders but it's just not going their way at the moment and and that's just footy you know again yeah they're just not taking yep. them but yeah man um i think we'll we'll wrap it up there bro again we've, we've probably taken along a lot longer than what people want to be listening to but all in all my man i've i've appreciated having you on yeah, I mean, I yeah, said. Well, I was speaking to actually, I was speaking to George Bauer on the weekend. He said he tunes in, so there's actually a few crusaders that tune into your podcast, Jordan. Oh wow! So uh, yeah, there's a few other boys, I'm sure, from other provinces. So, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe they'll they'll take a bit out of what we're saying. <laughs> oh, oh, maybe, bro. Yeah, I mean, like half of this is dribble, but yeah, at the same time, that's um, 
it's very uplifting to hear, man. I guess it, it makes me sort of setting out some time to do this sort of stuff maybe a little bit more worthwhile considering yeah, some of some of the big dogs listening. But yeah, like I was about to say, bro, like I appreciated having you on. I mean, I talked with you for an hour and a half last week, so I guess that sort of goes to show um, what you know about the game and how much I sort of took away from your insight. But I think above all else, my man, uh, hopefully I can get you on the show sometime later down the track. It might not be this time around, but maybe, you know, with the All Blacks come to play this year, you'll be keen to, to jump back on and give some of your takes around selection or game plan. So... Yeah, 100%, 100%, a big thank you. Bro. No, always here for you. Love, love your work. Appreciate it, my bro. You take care. Okay, thanks, bro. Later.